Hello everyone, this is Mark Guy with another podcast episode of markguy.com and speakbrave.co. And I'm here with my good friend, John Morrow. John Morrow, thanks for joining me again this afternoon. And I am excited. I'm excited to share this willpower dialogue that we started last time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what we talked about? Well, I remember a lot of what we talked about because you were getting into the area of talking about willpower and you were talking about some of the things that you overcame. And I remember... In particular, your story of quitting smoking. That yes, was really a great, great story. It was a struggle. It was a, it was some part of my life. Uh, I believe everyone struggles with something. Maybe it's addiction to cigarettes, alcohol. Ice cream. Ice cream, yes. yes chocolate. Or maybe too much of something that you don't want to reveal right now. That's fine. You know, everyone struggles with their own afflictions. That reminds me, I've got a package of sugar cookies at the house I need to bake. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, Enjoy. Enjoy those cookies. You need that. You need that. Because it's a good thing that you brought this up. Your body needs glucose. Oh, yeah. Well, specifically not your body, but body, yes, but also your brain. Did you know that the brain uh, is only 2% of the body mass, but it takes 20% of energy? No, I didn't know that. That's right. 2% of the mass of the body, but it uses 20% of the energy? That's correct. Brain is an expensive organ to maintain. So in other words, I'm... Oh, I like that idea. Does that mean I could eat more so my brain... That's right. You have to eat more. Uh, One of the things that I've seen in reading and researching and living through this uh, self-control journey that I've been on is that a lot of people, let's say the problem is with weight. Mm. And we know. It's always weight. It's always weight. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, famous author, Mm -hmm. in her book, Big Magic, when she talks to her readers about things that hold them back, what's holding them back? And she said, okay, I'm stupid. Well, I'm not. You cannot really talk about yourself and those. I say, you're stupid. You're not talented. You're not driven enough. You're just too tall, too short. And at the very end, she adds, maybe you're too fat. And she just cuts across the entire population of people who want to do better. And she's, she said, I'm throwing this in. I'm too fat for good measure because it always comes up. <laughs> Well, that's, isn't that isn't that the story? Yeah, but that's good self-deprecating humor. But you know what? To actually, down to down to the reality of it is, it's it's actually quite true, isn't it? It's it's weight's, it a, a, weight's it, an issue for all. Weight of us. is an issue that permeates our life. Mm-hmm, it, does. it starts at childhood, goes into adolescence, into young years, and then middle age, and then as you mature and become all that you are. It's hard. It's hard, yes. It is hard. It is hard. Willpower is, when, it, when you're talking about food yes. and you're talking about cravings and specific things that, it, it would it be wrong for me to say that there's something about certain kinds of foods that are addictive? There sure is. And we know that there's a book that I have read about five or six years ago by David Kessler. He was the Surgeon General of United States. Yeah. One of his books, it says, The End of Overeating. Why did I pick it up? Because on the cover, it had a picture. It had a picture of a carrot and a picture of a carrot cake. Which one would you choose, John? I'll take the carrot cake every time. Okay. The book, 
is is a like I said, it's been maybe five six years since last time I picked it up. It's not very thick, but rather it is very concise. And the ideas I read in that book have resonated and stayed with me over the years. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the, uh, the author said a lot of manufacturers, a lot of businesses, a lot of corporations. What is the primary drive of them? What 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 is there in the business of profit? Profit. Okay. As a profit, what is one of the things we can use as a lever to increase the sales? We can make it something that people have to have. That's right. Not only that, but we also we know how the body reacts to certain foods. Mm-hmm. We know from benefit of the science how body not only reacts, but how does it react in a way that is cannot be denied. Specifically, the food is manufactured with the right amount of sugar, fat, and salt. So when you put it in your palate, it becomes this quick mass that is highly palpable. It is super stimulus mm. that affects the part of your brain that you cannot deny. They're using your biology to oh. quickly, quickly give you enough makes reward you, in your dopamine. Makes so you, you feel good. Makes you feel great. Makes you feel great. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I cannot blame the companies for wanting more profit. That's actually smart marketing. Yes, it is smart marketing. Not only in the United States, but all over the world. Yeah, I can believe that. A few years ago, I read an article in Bloomberg Business Week. It, talks, it talked about Kuwait. Are you familiar with the country of oh, yeah. Kuwait? Yeah, okay. as a matter of fact, I had a friend who was in the U.S. Army and served there during uh, Operation Desert Storm. That's right. There was an article, just two or three pages, saying that presence of Amer- American multinational, KFC. Mm-hmm. KFC have entered the market, along yeah. with other fast food uh, pr- proprietors. Yeah, right. And what, what the government have noticed of the Kuwait is that the body mass, body mass index of the regular Kuwaitis mm-hmm. have went up. People were becoming fatter, and they had proof. As soon as the entrance of the fast food industry have expanded in that country. In the day and age that we live with all the information that we're getting, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. But it is kind of a sad, yeah. sad treatise because of those countries that had strict diets... And now all of a sudden you introduce into it the fast food diet, which is a basically an addictive diet. It's addictive. It's highly palpable. It's super stimulus. My friend, Kathy, have told me, when you look at food, you ask yourself a question. Is that a product of nature or is that a science project? Oh. Which one is it? Well, what are if, you're you're talking, if you're talking about fast food, it's a product, it's a science project because the, it's, it's a test to see how we can get people to eat more and come back for more. That's right. We know this. Emotionally, cognitively, using your power of intelligence, using your wisdom, you know this. Mm-hmm. But why is it so hard with all this information to stay away from it? Furthermore... Everyone heard about Oprah Winfrey paradox. Have oh, you heard yes. about it, John? Told, yeah, I've heard about it. That's an amazing paradox, or at least I know that she talks about bread. But the thing that I was intrigued about was, now, she had always talked about weight. Yes, But that's at right. one time, didn't she just weigh like 120 pounds? Well, we know that 
Oprah, we've been watching Oprah Winfrey for the last 30 years, haven't we? Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. Maybe even more than 30 years. Maybe 30 years. And what does Oprah Winfrey talks about? She talks about life. She talks about relationships. She talks about being the best you. She also talks about her weight yeah. and her struggle with food addiction and up and down and boost and bump cycles, the yo-yo oh. diet. And I do want to point out, which is a well-known story and it has been broadcast broadly. When Oprah Winfrey was a young broadcaster, uh -huh. we know that she weighed 125 pounds. Okay, so she did weigh down around 120. 100. I can't picture her that That's way. Right. Well, and we know that then she weighed 140 pounds. She freaked out. She went to a diet doctor uh -huh. who put her on 1,200 calories per day diet. Okay. In the first week, she lost 7 pounds. In the first month, she was back to 120. Wow. As the years went by, she then weighed in at 212. 212? 212. Again, what happened? She went to a diet specialist. For the next four months, she subsisted on a liquid supplement diet. She lost the weight again. What happens next? A few years later, she weighed 237 pounds. That's the heaviest she ever been. We know from the accounts from Roy Baumeister and John Timmy book, Willpower, that journals of Oprah Winfrey were filled with prayers to lose weight. Furthermore, she have prayed that her rival talk show host, Phil Donahue, would win the Emmy. So Oprah Winfrey wouldn't have to embarrass herself standing up and going and receiving the trophy. I did not know that. That's right, that's right. Well, then we know that she met Bob Green who transformed her life and she transformed his. Yeah, now he's somebody that I've actually seen on her program talking to That's her. right. He became a best-selling author. And they. she took really serious steps. She scheduled her food, her workout schedule around her filming. Mm -hmm. And by 2005, she weighed 160. She was on the cover of her magazine. Radiant, slick, beautiful, healthy woman. And then four years later... She went back to 200 pounds. If Oprah Winfrey, with all of her resources, all of her knowledge, her willpower, her determination to succeed in other areas of life, what chance do we have? That, that's a tough question because we always associate Oprah as an individual that has her pardon the expression, stuffed together. Stuff, yeah. I mean, she's just so dialed in on the things of life and she's so readily able not just to talk about success through her perspective but then she brings on all these great people i remember when she used to have dr phil come on on a regular basis and say what you want to about phil mcgraw but he's uh, an amazing individual and he probably would find himself almost wanting to coach oprah except he considers her his mentor that's right oprah is tycoon that she is she is a shrewd businesswoman Bis probably the richest woman in the world possibly possibly and if we know that if she has this fire burning inside of her to achieve success how can she talk publicly about her issues with food and weight 
what this tells us, I believe, it, this tells us that willpower is not one solution for all. It's not like you can be self-determined in one area of life and copy it in all others. I believe there's limits. There are limits to our willpower. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's... I don't want to suggest that you have to choose, okay, either be extremely successful or thin. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but what I am saying is that with education, knowledge, mm-hmm. exposure, learning, you have a choice. You have better choices. You can look, um, if you want to help your body to maintain better weight, you can look at the best practices. You can look at the best practice. You can help yourself. Remember what you said in the beginning? You have to eat to maintain your weight. It is true. You cannot starve yourself. It's true. Because when you starve yourself, we know that even from Oprah Winfrey's example and from Roy Baumeister and Giorantini's book, Willpower, is that your body is very smart. You can fool your body once, maybe twice, maybe three times, but then it's going to get wise to your ways. And every time you're going to push your body and abuse it and try to mistreat it, neglect it, Mm -hmm. guess what? It's going to come back. And it's going to fight for every fight fat cell in your body. You cannot fool your body more than two or three times. It's very smart. I mean, it it got you where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And the brain is an amazing force because it also, I think, has a sense of well, the survival mode. Yeah. Yeah, go. It's go. survival mode. You're exactly right. Yeah. It's conservation of energy. You want to get the reward, get the food, dopamine, reward, and then you want to conserve the energy. That's the biology of life. But you mentioned the reward thing. And that's a that's the thing that we hear a lot today about with people there. You've heard of, you know, immediate gratification as opposed to delayed gratification. There are the people that they, I want it now, I want it now. There's even songs that say, I want it now, I want it now. But then there are those individuals who will tell you, you're not going to have it now. You need to deny yourself of it now because what you'll get by denying it now is something far better and far greater. I mean, far greater and far better. Okay. I'm very excited. John, I mean, I'm, I'm just delighted that you brought this up. Everyone has their own choice in their life. You have your choice, how you want to achieve things, and mm-hmm. what to put back, what to um, sacrifice, and uh, how to be patient about. And somebody doesn't have that ability. We know from research there's many different models and many different theories that exist about willpower. Yeah. And I can talk about a couple of them if you Yeah, I'd, if like, to. Like, I'd it. like to. One of them is was brought forth by Roy Baumeister, who is a professor um, at Florida State University, previously with uh, Western Case Reserve in Ohio. He have brought forth the idea that willpower is like a muscle. Not a muscle, is like a muscle. Right. So that also means that when you go through your day, and you have a lot of different stimulus and triggers and environments and events happening in your life, you have a limited amount of willpower per day after a good rest, after a good sleep. And as you go through your day, your willpower is being depleted little by little and little again until there's none. And as you exercise your willpower, your muscle 
and I'm I am using the term loosely. Yes, because I there is not there's not a muscle inside your brain that you flex. But you think of it as it is a muscle. like a it muscle. Functions. It like is a theory. Yeah. And the way I see this, it's a theory because unless it's test, unless somebody else comes up with a better theory, maybe you, maybe me, this is what I'm going to refer to. And as you use your willpower during that, it depletes. And as you use it more, it also fatigues. Mm-hmm. You have a, a willpower fatigue. So one of the what, what can we learn from it? What what is our benefit? What's in it for me? Well, that's the question I would want to know because if that's if obviously we find ourselves becoming depleted as to that desire to exercise that willpower, and we get later in the day, we're going we're going to give in to things that we don't need to, and we're going to self destruct well, what we did right. Exactly, you self-destruct. And one of the ways that, okay, now that you have this information, let's test it out. Let's see what we can, how can we wrangle all this information? Okay. What, what can we do? Okay, if we go along with that willpower deflete, depletes during the day, mm-hmm. what can we do? First of all, get a good night's sleep. Yes. Get a good night's sleep. Also, by the way, what defines a good night's sleep, if you don't mind me asking, because... I hear arguments about how many hours of sleep a person is supposed to get, and frankly, I'm confused. Well, I think, remember, when we started talking about this um, self-knowledge um, and the self-mastery, is that you have to know yourself first. Uh-huh. Know who you are. Right. Okay, so if a good night's sleep for you is four hours, go for it. If it's six hours, be my guest. If it's eight hours, that's when you optimal. Go for it. It is starts with self-knowledge. And it starts with keeping a record or oh. at least some kind of diary or journal. You say, okay, I slept six hours. This is what happened. I slept eight hours. This is what happened. Have some kind of evidence that you can use mm-hmm. and maybe share with others. Okay. Maybe with you have a, a health buddy or partner. Or maybe your spouse. Spouse is good. Sure, yeah. you make fun of each other, or at least, well, you don't have well, to make spou- fun. Well, the thing about it is, is that we <laughs> we both know that we have a lot of things in common with each other, yeah. especially when it comes to weight or needs or That's rest. Right. That's right. So we can do that together, and we can kind of hold each other accountable. That's right. So once you have that information, you know what is optimal for you. It, I've got to learn what's optimal for yeah. me because I truly don't know. Well, I think that's the beauty of life. You keep going. You keep mm-hmm. fighting. You keep learning. You keep sharing. You don't stop. You know, one of my favorite words of wisdom comes from Proverbs in the Old Testament. And some people refer to the ancient Hebrew wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. When you stop learning, you forget what you already know. That's a very, very profound statement and absolutely true. Yeah. When you stop learning, you forget what you already know. And one of the other things also says in that uh, Proverbs is that you cannot give up. You cannot give up. Nothing helps when you give up. That's exactly verse. Nothing helps if you give up. You cannot give up. You have to keep going. Mm-hmm. So self-learning, self-knowledge, learning, and keep going. Okay. Now, let's go back to this theory mm-hmm. of willpower as a muscle, depletion, and fatigue. Mm-hmm. So we know that, we think we know that as you make decisions, you make your decisions become less and less effective throughout the day. Yes. What are the one of the ways you know that you can do? Okay. You can get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. You can create an environment that helps you function the best way you can. You can clean your room. 
you can clean your car, your garage, your kitchen, your workspace, your desk space. You can keep it, keep it organized mm -hmm. so that way you don't see the clutter. I long have suspected that a cluttered environment leads to cluttered mind. I agree with you completely. Yeah. I'm learning that now. Okay. So I so we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. When you have a cluttered mind, it actually it ex your brain exerts willpower and energy to keep you straight and arrow and on the way to your purpose. I find clutter yeah. to be stressful. That's right. It is. I mean, there's something to say about the books that are coming out and say the virtue of being tidy. There is power in there that. There is power There's in that. There is power in that. I'm so, finding that true. Okay, so get a good night's sleep. Keep your workspace, your living space, clean. Or at least the cleanest that you can. Yes. The other thing that I have learned, you have to feed the beast. Oh. Feed the beast that is living inside of you. Right. And the, what does the beast want? It wants food. Well, not just any food. It wants... Ice cream, Ice man. Cream, yes. Carrot cake okay. and Carrot cake. chocolate with caramel. Sorry, I I, I, I digress. I, <laughs> no, we, we you need, can have all we, of those. We need food. You need food. But but we also know from experience what are the best practices. Yes. The best practices that we know is to seek out, schedule, place yourself in an environment where food or where the food available of low glycemic index. Yes. For example, what are those foods? Nuts, mm -hmm. some proteins, all plants, yeah. all vegetables, all fruits, also meat, oatmeal. Oh, yes. And protein. So you and know not processed oatmeal, but we're talking about you know right. the the like steel cut oats. That's right. So you know the best practices, right? Yes. The information is the out information's there. Information is available. Okay. It's readily available. So you, already we know. Got a good night's sleep. Keep your space uncluttered and clean. Seek out food or at least have been intentional. Ask your health body, your spouse, your partner. Create foods that can help you. You have to give your body a break. You cannot just... <laughs> you have to feed the beast. But you have to feed it right. Feed it right. But we know. We know people are going to fall off the wagon or get on the wagon. Uh, One yeah. of those. We know it happens. I'm guilty. See, my hand is up in the air. You can't see that. My, yeah. my hand is in the air. Confession time. <laughs> well, and the final thing I want to mention about this theory that what we can learn as an actionable step is that create. we know that the life will present events, challenges, and situations where you have to react. Mm -hmm. Reacting sometimes is useful because it will help us save a life, our life, somebody else's life. But if we create an environment where we already have a pre-commitment strategies, for example, I'm going to go out to eat or I'm going to go to a party. If I see this type of foods, I will stay away. In your mind, you already have a plan. Sometimes you will go as planned, sometimes you will not. You will say, okay, if I see this type of food, I will only reach for those. Or... If you go to a party or some other place where you're going to serve food, let's say they don't have the food that you have planned. Yeah, that's... Have a strategy for that. You have, if you, you're a rational being, you are endowed with brains. You are endowed with cognitive function. And if you know, if you have a plan, okay, I'm going to stay away from this food. 
Okay, strategy number one fail, fine. Strategy number two, I'm gonna stay away from the food. I'm gonna only focus, I'm gonna distract myself. I'm gonna have a pre-commitment strategy in place, discuss it. I'm gonna tell other people. I'm gonna go online. I'm gonna register my my desire to lose weight with stickk.com or fatbat, one of the other, so quantifiedself.com. I'm intentional. I have a plan, I have a strategy. I know sometimes I'm gonna fail, that's okay. That's the beauty in life. I can laugh about it next day and 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 create podcasts and make fun of myself, which is fine. <laughs> which is fine. So that's what it is. Finally, if you create an environment where you have already made the decisions ahead of time, let's say everyone, if you have heard the story about Henley Morton, I don't know if I have famous that. explorer who lived. More than 100 years ago, he was born in Europe, immigrated to the United States, and then he went to explore and map out uh, River Congo in Africa. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And on his gravestone, it talks about when he was born, when he died, and natives who have seen him in action and going out facing his fears into the darkness gave him a name, Bula Matari which means the breaker of the rocks. There's many legends that come with him. He have done things that not a lot of people could have done. But one of the things that he have done every day, that he shaved. I remember that. And I wondered, what, what, what was shaving? What does shaving have to do or maybe it's willpower. Maybe it was that routine. What, it what was the routine. I believe we can learn the best practices. We can learn right. what have worked in the past. So Come, come back to best practices. Best That's practice. it. What is the best practice that we know have worked for someone? Get a good night's sleep. Keep your desk space and workspace uncluttered and for clean. For him it was shaving. Feed the beast. Well, it was many different things. I mean, but shaving is an interesting and unique thing. It's, 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 it's just a mile marker. We can look at, okay... It worked for this gentleman. Maybe it can work for me. What is the routine that I have in place? So we have to find that. What is your routine? Maybe it's prayer. Your routine is prayer. Prayer could be one. Maybe it's making up your bed as you get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's something that you have to, maybe it's a walk around the block. Or maybe it's a call to a friend, to a prayer partner. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's uh, reading. But it has to be consistent. Exactly. Because that's part of your routine. You eliminate uncertainty the best way you can. You know that life is going to throw you curveballs. Uh, absolutely. And it's going to raise your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. It's going to push you to the limit, right? It sure is. Every day. But if you have a routine that you can set in place, and if that routine fails, have a backup routine. And if that routine fails, have a backup routine to that. And I believe that's one of the ways you can increase your willpower or at least give yourself a chance this is the theory about the muscle there's another theory that also have come about recently is that you can train your willpower they respect the other scientist said the muscle or the willpower it's fine but another theory is that you can take steps to train your willpower for example you can train yourself to brush your hand Excuse me, brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand for a minute every day. So you do something that your brain is not familiar with. 
you do something that you not you don't enjoy doing, or at least you don't think you enjoy doing, and you don't do it extensively for an hour, an hour, an hour. But for example, before after you wake up, you do your hygiene exercises. Do ten sit-ups or ten push-ups every day, and you push, and you build, and you train your willpower. That's not a theory. That also helps people like extreme and exceptional athletes. Mm-hmm. Conditional, habitual behavior. Correct. So what I want to bring to the audience is that self-knowledge is the key to mastery. Know yourself first. Know yourself first. How many hours does it take for you to feel optimal to sleep? What kind of routines work for you? Yes, there's ego depletion theory. There's a willpower training theory. You have to decide what works for you. Where are you going in life? Yep. We know this. Now you know this. All right, Mark. Yes, John. This this is a wonderful podcast about willpower. And I, I do want to finish up. Last time I mentioned that a lot of people fail with New Year's resolutions. Yes. And I want to make sure I address that. I'm glad you did. Why is it so hard to keep New Year's resolutions alive? Why is it so hard to keep it? I really don't know because I don't think there's ever been a single one that I've ever kept, and I got to the point where I just didn't make them. Yeah, is that basic? Is that the society tells us that this is the thing to do? Is that something that helps along with the um, social contract that we have with each other and with ourselves, or is it just some made-up theory that somebody said New Year's resolutions is the thing to do? One of the top New Year's resolutions is to lose weight. That's true. And That's absolutely true. The biggest revelation that I have learned, it is the, has the highest rate of failure. Yes. People say they have the best of intentions, and they almost unquestionably, there's only a very small percentage of people who actually follow through. And I believe one of the ways that New Year's resolutions fail is that there's too many stressors in our life. Yeah. We have the best intentions, but when the reality comes, when the temptation comes, when the routine comes, when the events come, mm. we break. So don't make New Year's resolutions because you're going to break them. Rather, educate yourself, invest in self-knowledge, and you'll be a lot better off. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, John, for this wonderful podcast, and I'll see you next time at markguy.com and speak brave. And this is John Morrow saying we're looking forward to seeing you as well. So on behalf of Mark Guy and myself, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks.